0: You're listening to Ithaca Now, WICB's weekly news program focused on stories in the Ithaca community. I'm your host, Lauren Leone. Thank you for joining us. For tonight's show, WICB News Correspondent Christian Maitry talks to the Executive Director of OAR of Tompkins County about evictions during the pandemic. Correspondent Jordan Broking talks to Executive Director Doug Levine about the State Theater reopening. And we look back in an interview with WICB's own blues icon, Pete Panic, from when he turned 70 earlier this year. But first, we have Beck Legato and Grant Johnson with Community Beats.
1: Boynton Middle School is the first local school to move to online learning for a day after a positive case at the school. The Ithaca City School District Administration made the move out of abundance of caution following the confirmation of a positive coronavirus case from a student on Thursday, September 16th. This resulted in a day of online learning for all students on Friday, September 17th. With ICSD beginning hybrid learning, locals worry that closing the schools will become a more common occurrence.
2: The County Health Department has updated the community on its recently changed guidance for COVID-19 exposure and contact tracing in pre-K through 12th grade schools. This new guidance was made to help TCHD nurses determine who came into close contact and further outlines contact tracing and quarantine procedures. These precautions are in place for all students and faculty, enforcing procedures like universal masking, staying at home while sick, washing your hands, and taking advantage of available COVID-19 testing and vaccinations.
1: A vote will be held Monday to determine the future of a local Boy Scout camp in Seneca County. Boy Scouts of America are prepared to sell Boy Scout camps across the nation to provide funds for an $850 million settlement for over 80,000 victims who filed sexual assault claims against the organization. Officials will vote on Monday to determine if Camp Barton, a 129 acre property located just outside of Tompkins County, will be the next property sold. Boy Scouts of America say that if all camps in New York were sold, it would provide $101 million for the settlement.
2: Laura Mielenhausen has recently been hired as a new library director at the Ulysses Phil- Philomathic Library in Trumansburg. She has said that she hopes to prioritize making the library more accessible in the future and keeping the library staff safe from COVID. Mellenhausen also continued speaking on the importance of libraries since it is one
1: of very few places where people can gather without having to spend money. The Ithaca College Board of Trustees announced this week that they have formed a presidential search committee made up of current Board of Trustees members, students, and alumni. The committee will search for, interview, and then present finalists for the role to the Board of Trustees, who will then have the final decision to pick the college's 10th president.
2: Yesterday night, the Trumansburg Conservatory of Fine Arts presented an event with Christopher Morgan Loy, a composer and pianist which featured guest artist William Hurley, a violist. Their show consisted of multiple classical works by Beethoven, Schumann, and Mozart, along with others.
0: Welcome back to Ithaca Now on 92 WICB. I'm your host, Lauren Leone. For the housing insecure, the pandemic has had even deeper implications than it has for other members of society. For those who lost their jobs during this crisis, and those who were unsure if they would be able to even continue to have a roof over their heads, the dangers that the pandemic inherently poses have been significantly larger. Correspondent Christian Maitre discusses this problem in his conversation with Deborah Dietrich, Executive Director of OER of Tompkins County.
3: Evictions are happening during a public health crisis, and a deadly one too, COVID-19. The word eviction evokes a lot of different things for different people. But for those who are housing insecure, it's a very scary emotional and real experience. But what does eviction really mean besides the removal of someone from their home?
4: I think that evicting individuals during the pandemic is a bad idea. I mean, it's just from the public health perspective, it's a very bad idea to have people, you know, homeless.
3: If you've been evicted this year or last year, it means you've been risking you and maybe your family's health. That was
4: Deborah Dietrich, executive director at OAR of Tompkins County. So we've been housing folks there for about three and a half years now. We and then helping them find more permanent solutions um, from Endeavor House, because Endeavor House is really a place for them to just get settled, get back on the path of being in the community, find employment, and then we help them look for more permanent housing.
3: Despite a speedy vaccine rollout in the county, people are still susceptible to contracting COVID via Delta variant breakthrough cases. And when someone becomes homeless, forcing them to replace their private living situation with, say, a homeless shelter, their chances of getting COVID go up. Fortunately for the housing insecure, in March of 2020, the CDC was able to start imposing eviction moratoriums, or temporary bans on evictions in the wake of the pandemic, via an arguably completely unrelated and decades-old statute surrounding pesticide fumigation. But on August 26th, the Supreme Court blocked the eviction moratorium, with a 6-3 unsigned vote. Before it was reinstated two weeks later and extended to January, this decision allowed landlords to evict people from their homes in that two-week period. But luckily, in the local area, residents have been relatively safe from evictions.
4: Was well, inactive for a short period of time. We didn't see a flurry of evictions for our clients. But part of that is that they uh, may have just moved into this emergency shelter, grant housing. Which has is, uh, the majority is paid for by the grant.
3: So, so you're saying that's mainly because of this shelter program that they were in.
4: I think it's it's a couple different f- factors. One is that it was pretty short. Many of our clients are funded through government programs their housing. Through a majority of the um, rent is paid through government programs. Section eight this emergency shelter grant. And so therefore, they may not have fallen in arrears the way the low-income folks who who are working.
3: People getting evicted during the pandemic isn't breaking news. You've likely heard about it on TV or online. But there's a side to this story that I've noticed hasn't been getting told. I know that on the other side, the argument is that they need to evict people because of the amount of debt that they're in. What do you, like... What do you think about that? I, I just wanted to get
4: a grasp. I think that I, I don't really like the idea, um, quite honestly. On the other hand, I can understand particularly small landlords um, struggling to pay their mortgages.
3: Yeah, I think that's an important differentiation to, to make because you're right, some of them just – really rely on this one or two properties that they have. Like, that's their small business, you know?
4: Exactly. Or they live in the house and rent out an apartment in the house so that the mortgage is um, affordable for them. And I think those people are hurting right now. Um, On the other hand, landlords with huge holdings, many of which um, get sizable tax breaks um, from the, you know, local... Economic Development Board, um, they should have a reserve to weather it.
3: Tenants aren't the only ones affected by all of this. Landlords with only one or two rentals rely on their properties being rented out to make ends meet. The local housing crisis touches many different people from different walks of life. So it's important to remember that there are resources out there for those in need.
4: If uh, they've been formerly incarcerated or court-involved, the Human Service Coalition locally um has a, a 211 line, and that hotline can help refer them to other um, resources. And I know that the Human Service Coalition also has a housing navigator now. So there are places folks can go if they're um, struggling in finding housing.
0: The State Theater in Ithaca has long been a venue for vibrant public gatherings and events, which saw a return last Friday as it reopened to the public for the first time since the beginning of the pandemic. Correspondent Jordan Brooking talks to Doug Levine, executive director of the State Theater, about what the reopening process has been like. After nearly two years without the sounds of live music or people
5: laughing behind its big doors, the State Theater in downtown Ithaca has reopened to the public.
6: We are nervously optimistic. Um, It it has been 559 days since our last live show, way back in March of 2020. Um, But uh, we are ready.
5: Doug Levine is the executive director of the music venue. Known for its bright lights and marquees lighting up State Street in Ithaca, the theater welcomed its first concert goers since the pandemic began last Friday. But like other establishments in the area, the theater had to make some adjustments for those who choose to attend its events, including the implementation of a vaccination mandate.
6: Everyone entering the theater needs to show that they're fully vaccinated, and uh, we are also requiring the use of masks inside our theater as well. But all ticket buyers have been told of this, and if they can't comply, we've been offering full refunds.
5: Levine said the theater will begin to open its doors two hours in advance, as opposed to an hour before showtime pre-pandemic. But with these changes, Levine is still optimistic about the experience people will have when going to the theater.
6: I mean, even though people will have a mask on, I mean, it will sound a hell of a lot better than than on your your laptop at home or your or even your computer speakers at home. Um, you know, it's going to be a real, a real true sound in the theater. Um, you know, just like the sights and the smells. You know, uh, I mean, just it's just the whole concert experience, basically. And even though you'll have a mask on. Um, it will just feel and feel like a real rock show, and, and like tonight, it's gonna to feel like Queen is here. Like I've seen this band before; they're absolutely amazing. Um, they recreate actual Queen shows, and it's just a really fun experience. I'm, I'm excited about it.
5: Other than health precautions, guests in the venue will also see a small renovation when walking into the theater. There will be seats dedicated to certain audience members. In an interview with ICTV nearly one year ago, Levine spoke about the worry he had with the theater's financial security as the venue relies on concession sales, grants, sponsorships, and donations to fund it. The theater makes about $200 a year through donations alone. Levine, however, came up with numerous initiatives to help the theater raise money, one of them being the Save Your Seat Campaign, a way for community members to purchase and dedicate one of the theater's seats in their honor or for someone else they know.
6: One difference that going to a show now, as opposed to before the pandemic, when you get to your seat, um, every single seat in the theater it does have a, a personalized plaque on it. And we actually had an event last Friday for all the people that saved their seats um, to let them see their plaques in person. So it's a really touching tribute. Um, I'd say about 25, 30% of the plaques are in memory of, of loved ones that have passed on. So it, you know, some people got a bit emotional last Friday, um, but you know, that, uh, helped us get through the pandemic. I mean, we, we let people save their seats for $100 a seat with 1,600 seats and selling out the entire theater. You do the math. Um, we also had some corporate sponsors step up. I mean, all in all, it raised over $200,000 for the theater in a time that we desperately needed it. So it's a, it's a win-win all around. It shows some community pride. And it's definitely you know, different than the last time people were here.
5: People will also get the chance to post their own messages on the theater's main marquee like they were able to during the pandemic. Levine said that was a big hit, and he also spoke about the theater's newest membership system to help fund the theater further and how that has already met the venue's goal.
6: We did roll out a membership program as well, and we have a, a number of people signing up for that as well. Um, so when people buy their drinks or concessions, there's a special member price now, too. So that's a noticeable difference from than before the pandemic. I'm also happy to say that already... Um, We have reached our budgetary goal for the membership campaign already. So that's great. So it's a hit and we're just hoping, you know, there's more room for people to sign on as well if they're interested.
5: Levine said he is now looking forward to having the venue be a tourist draw for the downtown area again, something that he views as good, not just for business.
6: I mean, there's been more reports of crime during the shutdown. And I think that's primarily because not as many people were downtown. And when people people aren't looking, people can do some bad things. And and I, I really think that having... You know, more people coming downtown for activities will just help the city as a whole. So I'm I'm happy about stepping up and doing our part that way. Um, and other than that, I mean, I'm a live, I I love live music, of course. That's why I do what I do. So I'm just excited to hear you know live tunes again in our beautiful space as well.
5: The State Theater is not slowing down with plenty of events happening this fall and more still being added for later seasons. For WICB News, I'm Jordan
0: Broking. Pete Panic longtime host of the Blues Progression Show that airs every week on WICB, turned 70 earlier this year. We go back to an Ithaca Now episode from February to hear about his story and his dedication to blues music.
7: During the course of me playing over the years, I've uh, shared the stage with all of the greats. They used to pass through town a lot in Ithaca. And uh, once did a whole two-hour show of just music uh, blues musicians that I've shared the stage with and we were also my band with Bo Diddley's backing band twice which is really really cool so you know so it's just uh I love the music I love sharing it it's real music you know that everybody knows the story of the blues in one form or another in their life.
8: If you're a local blues fan, or have ever tuned in to WICB on a Wednesday morning, or just really liked the pizza out at the 9s in College Town before their closing, you might be familiar with that voice. It's the voice of Peter Panic, longtime host of the Blues Progressions show at WICB that airs every Wednesday from 10am to noon. Panic, who celebrated his 70th birthday on Wednesday the 17th of February, has a lot of stories to share. Apart from having been an extraordinary member of the WYCB family for about 20 years, Panic has also been a popular live performer for decades and been a face of the blues community as the vocalist and guitarist for his band Pete Panic and the Blue Cats. If you haven't been able to tell by now, he's a pretty interesting guy. So here's more about his life as a blues musician in his own words.
7: I'm originally from Chicago. Uh, I just turned 70 years old the other day. So I grew up in Chicago in the late, you know, where I could realize what's going on in the late 50s and 60s. And during that period of time, that was like the hotbed of Chicago blues. And I lived in the inner city. So it was almost like neighborhood music. So it was always in the air around me, plus a lot of other music, of course. And uh, so I was aware of it. So I was always been a fan. And of course, the Beatles came out and all of those guys bought guitars because we thought we were going to learn how to play and be stars. But at least I had a guitar. And I fell into just loving the music and did all the basic stuff when you're a young person, you know, learn your chords and stuff. But luckily, I was able to see a lot of the great music, uh, blues uh, musicians like Muddy Waters and Howlin' Wolf and all those guys live when I was growing up. And it's just, I don't know, the music spoke to me. So I picked it up and, you know, started a band and uh, started playing seriously in about 1972 in Chicago and uh, moved up to Ithaca in 1982.
8: It was after moving to Ithaca in 1982 that Panic found Blues Progressions at WICB.
7: By then, I had been in a bunch of bands and I was pretty proficient. Uh, The uh, Blues progression show on WICB was already going on and But my friend was the DJ on it, Glenn. He was one of the original DJs up there. And so when he left town, it kind of fell into my drummer's lap who kept it going, and he moved on. And so I've been doing it now off and on for about 20 years at 92 WICB, Ithaca's Blue Progressions. Get that plug in there. So, but it's, just, it's a unique situation in a way to have, like, uh, just four DJs doing a show over 40 years. So it's been a long career at ICB, you know, and I'm... Proud to be there because it's a great radio station.
8: Pete says there's a lot to love about his job.
7: I uh, just love the music. I love turning people on to the, the, real, the real old blues stuff. Uh, you know, a lot of people think all the blues is just like you know, Joe Bonamassa and Jimi Hendrix and Stevie Ray Wan, and they're very great, but you got to hear some of the stuff that the originators do. So I play a lot of uh, blues that's almost 100 years old, recorded in the late 20s and stuff. And people love it. And uh, during the course of me playing over the years, I've uh, shared the stage with all of the greats. They used to pass through town a lot in Ithaca and uh, once did a whole two hour show of just music uh, blues musicians that I've shared the stage with. And we were also my band with Bo Diddley's backing band twice, which is really, really cool. So, you know, so it's just, uh, I love the music. I love sharing it. It's real music, you know, that everybody knows the story of the blues in one form or another in their life. Like you could do a song about the snowbound blues, I guarantee.
8: I wanted to know what does blues mean to Panic and what really draws him to it?
7: I guess the biggest thing about the blues as an art form is it's really American music. It's all about life and love and reality. And, uh, you know, it's just truth telling music, you know, it's uh, you can you can glitz it up and stuff like that. But it all comes down to uh, three chords in the truth, you know, uh, and that's about all I got to say about that. I don't want to philosophize it. I just and I love it. I just love the music and it's so much fun playing and it's so much fun playing and seeing people enjoying it. You know, that's what it's all about. When it stops being fun, you don't do it anymore.
8: For panic, there's a lot to be found in the magic of blues. And among those things is a strong community that feels to him like one big family.
7: It's almost like a family reunion, uh, talking to these blues greats, you know, and it's, you know, they'll, they'll say, ask you questions about stuff you have no idea. They, you know, Did you hear what happened to Billy May? I'm like, no, not really. You know, I'm in Ithaca. Uh, but sometimes they give me really great quotes. Now, Albert Collins, who's a great, great blues guy, we uh, opened for him at the Old Haunt uh, years ago. And he said, when you're first starting out, you have to imitate people, you know, because that's how you learn. You know, you gotta gotta have somebody that you you copy from. He says, but when you start imitating yourself, that's how you get your style. (laughs) I thought that was hilarious.
8: completely honest. My experience with blues and also that of many of the people my age that I know has been, well, fairly limited. Before this interview, I might not have been able to come up with more than a few blues musicians off the top of my head. So I decided to confront the elephant in the room. What would you tell someone who's never heard blues or who's, who's never really been introduced to it?
7: Well, the first thing I would say that uh, the blues music has been the dominant force of American music for the last century, uh, previous to this one, and into this, you might not know you've heard the blues, but you have, it's on so many commercials, it's the bedrock of so much of the music you hear, even in rap, believe it or not, uh, there are certain early blues guys, you say, this guy's rapping, so I would say, you know, you'd have to introduce them and you turn people onto it, but you don't want to beat them over the head with it. So, I would say to somebody who's never heard the blues before, I said, Well, let's start with like some muddy waters. Got my mojo working. You know, it's just a basic, good 12 bar blues. They don't really, you know, I think the best part is not to over explain it. Just play them some great stuff and they'll pick up on it because it's all about the feeling. It's all about the feeling. It's not about uh, musicianship. Really, it's about the soul. Some of these lyrics from the songs that are almost 100 years ago keep getting, keep resurfacing. They keep, you know, they keep saying like, you know, I woke up this morning. I couldn't tell right from wrong. Well, everybody can identify with that.
8: So if you're looking to start your blues journey, he's got advice for you and a show every Wednesday, 10 a.m. to noon here on WICB, just so you don't forget. But focusing on the advice now,
7: everything has to come from somewhere. You know, and when people say, well, who should I listen to? I said, well, you know what? A wise man once says, don't listen to what I'm listening to. Listen to what the guys I listen to listen to first. And that takes you all the way back to the ground floor. And if you got ears, you will hear it. You know, that's basically it. People say, what's new? That's good. And I said, if you've never heard it before, it's going to be new to you. You know, though, people listen to radio in a different way, Unfortunately, everybody's streaming stuff all the time. And so they get trapped in their own musical bubble and you know, it's what they only know and whatever is like what they only know and they get stuck in a, in a circular thing. So it's really nice to break out of there. I mean, uh, you know, it's not like this intellectually you, you say, well, I go from blues and now intellectually I have to go to jazz because I'm getting older. <laughs> it doesn't work. Music's good. No matter what age, if it's good, it's because it's good. As the pound said, <laughs>
8: He'd already shared so many good memories at this point. I had to ask for Ithaca favorites.
7: One of my favorite memories, and there's so many of them because we at, at ICB, especially for the blues progressions, is just doing a, a playing music. Well, let's put it to say uh, doing the interviews with certain people like Betty LeVette or, or Bobby Rush. Those are great memories, but my my favorite memory totally is when ICB won that award from MTV a few years back, the Woody. You know, we 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 came out to number 1 uh, uh college station in the country, you know.
8: Also, jams at the 9s before they closed.
7: Well, we did some special blue Mondays and I brought in some people from Chicago, and I guess one of my best shared memories is just sharing the stage with old people, old musicians I knew from Uh, Chicago like Eddie Shaw and his son Van there was just some nights of magic good memories are when five strangers used to get up on stage who've never met before never played together I'm saying okay here's what we're gonna do and it all happens everybody's listening to each other everybody's not stepping on each other's toes everybody's playing good and getting a groove and as any musician says that's a magic moment that you'll live for
8: what do you enjoy most about what you do? Right well,
7: it's always fun when people dance. <laughs> but uh, I just like—I like playing small venues. You know, it's one thing to play big places with a big PA and stuff. But where I'm coming from and what I grew up seeing the blues is like you set up in the corner on the floor with your little your little setup. You're like it's like close, like a close magician. You know, you're like maybe 10, 15 feet away from people, and you can establish eye contact and when you get that going and you can tell their head nodding and they're digging it that's what I enjoy the most you know it inspires us see everybody talks about it you know the energy exchange that happens when it's happening but it's a true thing you just it inspires you to heights you didn't know you had so that's what I love most about playing live.
8: Live music feels like a thing of the past now or maybe somewhere out there on the horizon but definitely not close enough yet to feel the head nods for us, or for Panic.
7: It's a very sad time, and you have to really gut check and soul check yourself to find out what's in there, how much do you want to play, you know, do you have something to say, how do you get it out there, and how do you keep yourself sane? But, you know, so I'm playing at home, but I'm not forcing anything, you know, I've learned after playing for almost 50 years, when the time is right, something will happen.
8: Now, a few days after his 70th birthday, He's reminded of a Simon and Garfunkel song.
7: Who'd have thought it? I'd make it this far, but I think one of the, part of uh, the things that make life worth living is having good people around you, including all the people at ICB and Jeremy and yourself and everybody else I've run into over the years. And uh, uh, I'm gonna. I was just listening to an old Simon and Garfunkel song, which is definitely not blues, but it's a song called Bookends, and one of the lines in it, and it says. How terribly strange to be 70. And you can take that, I took that in a good way. Yeah, it's like, this is strange, but it's okay. So that's what I got to say for you guys.
8: For WICB News, I'm Himadri
0: Said. That's all for this edition of Ithaca Now. You can listen to all of our stories on WICB.org, And if you'd like to listen to past stories, follow WICB on SoundCloud and subscribe to Ithaca Now to hear full shows anywhere, anytime. Also, subscribe to the latest to hear our daily newscast every weekday. Just search WICB News Presents on your favorite podcast app. For more updates throughout the week, follow WICB News on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. This show wouldn't happen without the support and assistance from manager of television and radio operations, Jeremy Menard, WICB station manager, Connor Hubbard, and programming director, Lou Barron. Ithaca Now is produced by news director, Hamadre Saith, and this week's correspondents, Christian Maitre and Jordan Broking. All of the music from our show's intro and outro comes from Dr. Dundiff of Louisville, Kentucky, Have any feedback? Story ideas? Just want to say hi? Feel free to reach out by emailing news at WICB.org. We'll be back with a full episode of Ithaca Now at 7 p.m. next Sunday. I'm Lauren Leone, and thank you for listening to Ithaca Now on WICB.